0: You're listening to The Good GP, the podcast for busy GPs.
1: Hello and welcome to this live recording of The Good GP podcast. You've listened to us on your devices, now you get to see the faces behind the voices. I'm Christina, Sean Stevens, and Tim Coe. We are the hosts of The Good GP. We are going to be having a bit of a smorgasbord of GP hot topics. So we're going to be covering autism, tendinopathies, and the power of data. We're really grateful to have some speakers here with special interest in each of these areas. I'm going to let each of us introduce them as we go. Before we get into the actual formalities, I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands upon which this conference is being held, the Wurundjeri people of the East Kulin Nation, and um, acknowledge elders past, present, and emerging. Without further ado, we're going to start today's episode. I'm going to hand over to Sean to get us going on the power of data. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Christina. And uh, so welcome. Uh, Welcome to The Good GP. Today, we're doing one of our special live episodes on the power of data. I'm interviewing GP and CEO of Doctors Control Panel, Anton Knamen and Practice Manager, Founder and CEO of Cubico, Mr. Chris Smead, and he's also the founder of Halo, which is a product you'll be hearing about more soon. They're both industry-leading software packages integrating with the major GP clinical software programs, and they're going to be sharing their insights on the power of GP data. So, Chris and Anton, all levels of government, insurers, policy planners, etc., all want to access our data. How valuable is it actually? Anton?
2: Um, All medical data is valuable. And we look at the latent value held within the GP silos of clinical diagnostic treatment and billing information and how that can be aggregated into big data. And big data then becomes the big sort of determinant for policy changes and major decision making. And I think that big data is a tantalizing opportunity for government to extend its bureaucracy and uh, you know that unfettered access may be good may be evil uh, the good may come from academic and scientific analysis using evidence-based processes to derive guidance policy making and we can enhance improved care access health outcomes and support the general practice population the evil may come from extension of bureaucracy and progressive cost-cutting measures implemented without regard to the long-term sustainability of general practice and that exists beyond election cycles and the process of ceding control to the government has by stealth been underway for a while now primary healthcare networks are sending pip data to the government and we have uh, stringent controls however it's probably the uh, thin edge of the wedge and i could see in the future that government have extended access to your data from the perspective of insurance agencies they've long had uh, desires on our data as well i think however because of privacy laws the implementations that i've seen where Insurance companies are putting in software components within clinical vendors and extending it to general practice desktop. Privacy laws have been very effective in controlling their reach and preventing them having unfettered access to our data. My own wish is that general practice itself would begin to use its own data and use it to self-manage and promote improvement activities within general practice. But unfortunately, I think you know the government has already ensnared our data and is making use of it. And previous attempts like the Improvement Foundation have petered out and failed. And I foresee that uh, there's difficulties ahead for general practice. Thanks,
0: Anton. Chris, obviously it's got a huge amount of power. Where's the value for the GPs and how can GPs use this data to sort of realize some of that value?
3: Yeah, yeah, I think it's a fantastic point. And to echo that point, I think it's one of the biggest assets that's in our practice is our data. And we need to protect that. We need to own that and be the custodians of that responsibly for as long as we can. And it doesn't always have to involve other people to get the best out of our data. There's this amazing community around harnessing your data, how to use it. Using data doesn't need to involve government or PHN to get something out of it. Because the second someone else is involved in a contractual relationship, it gets a lot more complex. Flows of money, flows of different things. Suddenly it's like, oh, but why are you involved in this contract and how does it work and how does it fit together? So I think that's a big thing. I think we've seen too The emergence of technology, that means that you don't need to store and house data to be the ones to use it. Data can remain where it is and be used in sight rather than being sent to someone else who you have to trust for the next 10, 20, 30 years with what they do with it. Um, I think as practices we have that responsibility to our patients and what we do to be the custodians of it. At the same time, if we put the practice hat on, we have that data, we go to the expense to house it to store it, but to keep it up to date and to keep it relevant and to keep it accurate, we need to work out how to take advantage of that data as our margins keep shrinking and the available resourcing to provide patient care gets tighter and tighter, it's how we use it becomes more and more important. So little things to big things to harness the power of your practice data
0: become more and more valuable. That's a good point. And good segue to my next point. You mentioned improving patient care. Anton, how can we improve patient care using data and
2: and some of the programs that are out there? Peter Drucker, a uh, popular business author of 39 years, business books, wrote probably one of the most uh, important quotes of business, and that is that if you can't measure it, you can't improve it. And I think that applies to clinical processes as well as business processes. And I've seen a lot of expansion of clinical software and the tools that go along with it. And I know that GPs have access to clinical tools and they can provide meaningful reports. And I believe the most ethical and the most powerful way to to utilise data is at the point of care. Um, GPs can utilise that uh, software to provide those meaningful reports and provide a feedback mechanism within general practice. And my experience is that uh, many motivated who are utilising those techniques are the high achievers amongst general practices. And that is in with regard to you know, the preventive care activities that uh, you know, are so important. Uh, these are the desirable cross-cutting concerns that GPs often find difficult to fit into their busy workflow. These are the desirable and, and beneficial uh, preventive care activities, ensuring data, Um, integrity and missing information is filled in, screening and preventive care activities, those sorts of activities are very amenable to a feedback mechanism for improvement. And I think that uh, if we're going to harness our data, I think preventive care uh, is a sort of a hot topic that can be focused on and uh, within a general practice can be a sort of a first port of call for improvement. Great. Thanks, Antoine. Chris?
3: approach this from the practice manager side of it no, that's where I was for a long time so I guess that's the lens I put at it is that we need to find ways to engage with our data that doesn't keep data over here and patient engagement here and engaging that patient because it actually doesn't come together I was running for a practice for a long time and we get reports once a month or once a quarter it was too late to do anything with it was too late to delve into how to use it in practice because I think we need to think of the usage of data in two ways one is reporting and understanding what is going on in your practice, what is happening, to then guide where we put effort to use that data for an outcome. If you are already doing an amazing job with the CDM program, adding more steps onto that actually doesn't add anything to what's happening in practice, it actually just adds more cognitive load. But if you look at your data and you find these areas of opportunity, as a team, you can get someone behind that, you get your team behind it. I love that when you get your whole team behind an outcome together using practice data. And then you need to celebrate the outcomes of the wins. Mm. I think over the last two or three years, we just got pretty beat down, just like this is a change, do this. This is a change, do this. When you do something, use data to measure the outcome and celebrate that win because that is awesome. Mm. And, you know, your reception team will get behind celebrating that win. Your nursing team will get behind celebrating that win. And it brings everyone on a pretty awesome journey because they know they're benefiting the patients. Mm.
0: Excellent, yeah. Look, good points, both of you. And I'd have to say, using the tools not just cubico and dcp although i particularly like those but lots of the tools to like you say bring it to the coal face within that, that interface with the patient but then also look at what you're doing and and yeah improve and celebrate your wins so let's turn now to benchmarking i think this is something that's got um, massive benefits you can see where you're not going as well and see how you're comparing to your peers Chris, you've got some benchmarking data. What would you say some of the benchmark measures that you think practices should be focusing on?
3: So first off, I struggle with the word benchmarking because it has so many connotations that go along with it that you're better or worse. And actually, sometimes it's just like, how are we going? And is our number at all in the realm of what's happening? And I know that's benchmarking, but just there's so many people now with PHNs and everything over the last few years that you hear that word and I can literally see people in the audience go like, oh, benchmarking. I'm having a reaction. Um, we're all being lovely and quiet too, because I know that there's a podcast, but yes, I can see you all, shut up. Um, <laughs> we took three, nearly nearly two and a half years running Cubico and crossed uh, a couple of uh, nearly 800 practices before we even thought about tackling it. Because we knew that it was um, really important that the way we did it paid respect to practices. And what we spoke about in the first question here today was the value that their data is probably one of the biggest assets in the practice. So we did a lot of work around security, privacy, confidentiality, consent to um, make that all happen. We don't benchmark clinical data. I think benchmarking clinical data is, is an interesting and quite complex podcast in itself because what's good, what's bad, what's an outcome, what's happening in general practice is so varied, how do you benchmark that? We benchmark the business data of primary care. And we run got a system that if you use Cubico and you opt into um, our touchstone, our benchmarking product, you get to see the benchmarks back and we think that's fair because you're giving something over and in return you should get to see the results it was opt-in if you choose not to opt in you don't get those those access to those benchmarks we've been tracking topic of the quarter bulk billing rates and billings and utilization and use of item numbers and we actually make it available on our website a few of those key metrics but just seeing what's happening across industry and what's happening with bulk billing rates but then also one of the interesting things we'll talk about today is the average price in in private and mixed wing clinics for those item numbers. So I guess, sorry, it's a long way to saying that we use data. Every practice, what they want to know from the aggregated data set is different. But what we focus on is how you use it to become a sustainable business. Because as the college says, if you don't have a
0: sustainable business, how are you going to be around to provide patient care? Thanks, Chris. One final question. Uh, Let's have a look at the future of data. Everyone's talking about the cloud. But Helix has had some issues and Titanium has been delayed multiple times. Anton, can you tell me where you think data is headed in the future?
2: First, they comment re- with regard to cloud software and, and migrations. I think that there's still hurdles ahead. And it basically you know, sort of sits within the nitty gritty of implementation details. They have problems with connecting printers and other issues. And I think also there's a problem with data ownership, sovereignty or integrity and portability with cloud. I have had GPs who've come to me and they've said, We've just migrated off the cloud and it is a game changer. And people don't realize you know, how much moving to the cloud can impact your workflow. And I, so I, my impression is that it's probably still a little bit early. Uh, all the major players are still developing. Watch this space and look out for your data integrity. Where it will go in the future, I think we will probably proceed to the cloud in years to come, Thanks, right? so, Anton.
3: I'm going to say that government would keep pushing the line that the only way to get interoperability is for everyone to be on the cloud. I'd say that's not true. I'd say that there are fantastic solutions that people are working on and that are out there that mean that interoperability can exist without everyone being on the cloud. Our PMSs have 10, 20 years of features built into them. You don't just build that overnight. So I think it's going to be a gradual migration. I think it's going to be careful migration, and I think it shouldn't be a barrier to solving bigger problems. It shouldn't be used as an excuse to solving bigger barriers in the operability of our health.
0: Thank you very much, Anton Chris. It's been uh, really enlightening. We have one question here. Denmark seems to be freely sharing data for the benefit of all. Any comments on this?
2: I prefer the concept of general practice owning the data and making decisions on that.
3: I don't that. I think it's the relationship is there. But once again, technology shouldn't be the barrier. There should be the ability to do things with the right consent and framework put behind it. Technology shouldn't be the excuse to bring that in place. mechanism. Thanks very much.
0: The Good GP is produced and edited by the team at RACGPWA. If you've got any questions or would like to contact The Good GP, please feel free to email us at thegoodgp@gmail.com. Thanks for listening.